You're listening to Precinct 444, a podcast network from the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today we're bringing you an episode from the Encore series, where we revisit past museum programs and conversations. Technological advancements in the field of law enforcement have changed the way in which cases are solved in their efficiency, accuracy, and the way departments develop programs to train their officers. Today on Encore, we are revisiting a program which originally aired June 29, 2022, titled Doing It Right, Successful Advancement of Law Enforcement Technology, to reshare how law enforcement is utilizing these advancements of technology across the many departments throughout the country. Experts in the field of law enforcement join in the conversation to share their thoughts on current technologies, the true benefits of having various tools, and what it means to the communities they help protect. Part one of this series begins with opening remarks from Wonton Tat, CEO and co-founder of Clearview AI, a brief conversation between former director of programs Charles Fulcher and moderator and board member of the Memorial Fund Jim Birch, president of the National Policing Institute, followed by Jim's initial thoughts on technology and law enforcement and participant introductions. Part one of this series is brought to you by Off-Duty Management. Off-Duty Management is dedicated to supporting and protecting law enforcement agencies, their officers, and community vendors by offering a fully customizable, centrally administered, no-cost solution that manages all aspects of off-duty programs and keeps agencies in full control, mitigating their risk and liability. You can learn more about them at offdutymanagement.com. And now for part one of Doing It Right, Successful Advancement of Law Enforcement Technology. Hi, my name is Juan Tantat, the founder and CEO of Clearview AI, a facial recognition company that provides its services to law enforcement and government agencies to help solve crime. My background is that of an entrepreneur and software engineer, and I spent the earlier part of my career working on games and consumer applications. I never thought in my life that I'd ever sell technology to law enforcement, and my interactions with them were very minimal, uh, thankfully, until I started Clearview AI. What I found was that all the stereotypes about law enforcement and cops are really not true. They're really smart, they're intelligent, thoughtful and compassionate, hardworking and mission driven. It was a real privilege to see a peek behind the scenes about into the lives of the men and women who keep us safe every day while working with them uh, without Clearview AI software. So technologies like Clearview AI, our facial recognition platform, they have the potential to transform law enforcement outcomes for safer communities, for uh, officer safety, and the public. You know, manual error-prone suspect and victim identification tactics like eyewitness lineups and descriptions, missing children's photos, and unknown criminal suspect photos that you might see on the TV, they could all become a thing of the past, and in the near term will surely be less common with facial recognition. Also, the speed of investigations and time to justice for victims can be accelerated in new ways that just weren't possible before. The potential to reduce crime rates, prevent future crime, and better communities exist through transformative technologies like facial recognition, coupled with this open internet data uh, that clearly AI helps search. A lot of crime these days starts online, unfortunately, and also ends online. So technology that helps law enforcement search the wide range of information that's out there can be very helpful. But however, you know, there's a lot of common myths and misunderstandings about facial recognition technology, and sometimes that holds law enforcement back uh, from adopting the technology because they're not really sure about the state of the art now. Technology is rapidly improving, and what's state of the art today is actually so much better than the, what was out there just a mere few years ago. 
So for example, in 2018, when we started Clearview, we made the huge breakthrough of finding a face out of a lineup of a million photos at about 99% plus accuracy. Before that, facial recognition was really a one-to-one thing to unlock your iPhone, or maybe one out of a thousand search to tag your friends on Facebook. So last year, Cleary AI's algorithm was ranked number one in the US and the Western world, and number two overall, um, according to NIST. We scored 99% above all demographics, and um, we've been able to train our facial recognition set in a very non-biased way because the data set is from all these photos that are online of every demographic. What's even more surprising, after we got it working that effectively in 2018 and 2019, is that we've even made it better. So when COVID happened, I thought it was still almost impossible to take a photo of someone with a mask on and find them, especially one out of 20 billion, which is how many photos we have now. So when we rolled out a new algorithm recently, we were surprised that it actually now works with a mask on. So even as a practitioner of technology and an AI person, Myself, I'm consistently surprised about how much better the technology can get. So it's an honor for Clearview to sponsor this panel in partnership with the National Law Enforcement Museum, a place that honors the mission, excellence, and sacrifice of law enforcement, present, past, and future. I've been to the museum. I think it's a great educational thing. Uh, I learned a lot there, and it really sheds a real light on the heroes that keep us safe every day. And I think a lot of people should go visit themselves, and it's a very amazing place. Um, this is an important discussion to have overall as crime rates soar in major cities, children are victimized by traffickers and exploitation online. A lot of that's now happening online. Drugs and guns pose a threat to life and the peaceful, healthy existence of our communities. There's also all these humanitarian cases like missing children, uh, the homeless, and lots of people who've lost with dementia. And those agencies in law enforcement also have to handle a lot of those kind of cases as well. Law enforcement's under increasing pressure to do more with less and to do it faster than ever before. So I think technology can be a way to really help uh, accelerate and make law enforcement way more effective uh, in their jobs. And we're here and very happy to be able to provide at least one service in that direction. The panelists on this webinar are really committed to addressing these channels, challenges. They want to do it correctly, as the name of the webinar suggests. They've empowered law enforcement with transformative technology and the policy and privacy practices that are needed to ensure responsible use. I think they've embraced their communities and listened to uh, the critics and the privacy people uh, and advocates from those organizations, met them where they are, but also have been able to get their message out about how it's really used. So I think once you take people in the general public through a few things about facial recognition technology, it builds a lot of comfort and that communication is really key to the adoption of the technology. So one of the main things to realize is that Clearview AI, this facial recognition is only searching public images, not anything that's private. People get much more comfortable after that. The second thing, it's only searching uh, for suspects or victims of crime after the fact. It's not a real-time surveillance tool. That's another thing that puts a lot of people at ease. And the third one is it's not used as a sole source of evidence. So uh, it's used in conjunction with other methods. So these three things, in my experience, when I've talked to people in the general public or regulators or uh, people and journalists uh, really do have an impact to explain how it really works and demystify it. And so I think with the advances of accuracy that we have these days in AI and facial recognition, along with smart policy and using smart tools and policing, we can you know, help make a safer world for everyone. So I hope you enjoy 
there are insights and strategies and practical steps to getting it right uh, when deploying uh, law enforcement technologies, including facial recognition, but it can be a blueprint for any other technology that you want to adopt to help keep your community safe. Thank you. I'm honored to introduce our moderator for today's program, Jim Birch, president of the National Policing Institute. Jim, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to help us navigate this conversation about law enforcement and technology. Oh, it's always great to be here at the museum. Thank you. Uh, you know, the museum aims to tell the story mm -hmm. of American law enforcement, as you know. And one of the great ways we're able to do that is through the artifacts in our collection. Through these artifacts, we're able to see the progression and changes in law enforcement technology. We know that law enforcement always evolves, always changes and grows with the times. Even behind us here, our 911 Emergency Operations Interactive gives visitors a chance to be immersed in the modern technology mm -hmm. of a 911 call center. But just around the corner, we have the very first 911 phone from Haleyville, Alabama, gives us such a, a clear picture of how technology has changed in that field. When we first talked to you about being a part of this program, you shared a, a particular interest of yours mm -hmm. in this conversation around technology that you thought was important to communicate. What, what's your take on law enforcement and technology? Well, I think you're absolutely right, Charles, that uh, the technology changes rapidly. It's changing constantly, right? And I think the one of the challenges we have in our field is how do we keep up with those changes, even though the public often thinks that we're much further ahead than we actually are, right? Mm -hmm. You've pointed to the 911 center here. I'm looking at a duty belt. I'm looking at drones. These are things the public thinks about. These are the things they see or hear about, right? We've got the RoboCop exhibit here. Uh, but what we're really talking about is the day-to-day -day use of law enforcement technology and how rapidly that changes and evolves. And the challenge that I think we see with technology is not so much asking or answering the question, does the technology work? But it's the question of whether or not the agency is ready to implement the technology in the ways that will allow it to be as effective as it's been designed. So we have to really focus on getting it right. That's sure. the key. Sure. Now, I, I understand in the fields that um, there's a, a growing body of research, that there are people devoting time and energy to, to studying these concepts of, of implementing technology. It's not just what the technology can do, but as you say, it's, it's how we're using it, how we're engaging it. What are you seeing in terms of research in the field today? Well, we are seeing a growing uh, interest in, in conducting more studies, more evaluations, more research on how agencies are acquiring and using technology. I think most often what we talk about and hear about in the public is the privacy question. Right. How do we maintain and assure privacy? How do we ensure that we are accountable for our use of these different technologies? And those are valid and really critical questions. But there are bigger questions that I think we have to be considering. So some of the research that we've looked at, conducted even uh, here in the area near the museum at George Mason University, has talked about the importance of understanding how the technology is received within the department. They use this concept called frames, where they're really thinking about what's the frame or the lens by which officers, middle managers, or even executives might think about technologies, how they might use them and deploy them. A great example that I can think of is, does it make sense for you to uh, invest in a technology that will speed your response times 
only if you're focused on using that technology in the area of, let's say, burglaries, for example, because we know that response times really don't matter that much in terms of burglaries that have that are not in progress. Right. Another example might be gunshot detection technology. Let's face it. The technology works. Right. We know it works when the gunshot goes off. The technology hears it and it directs officers to that scene. But if we find out that officers are being kind of oversaturated with alerts or they haven't been instructed on how to get out of the vehicle in the area of a gunshot, maybe go door to door. The community doesn't know that the officer has been summoned. They don't understand the benefits of that particular piece of the technology. And so I think it's really important that we pay attention to how these technologies are implemented and how agencies will organize themselves around these technologies. We got a lot of work to do. We think about criminal investigations, another key area for the use of technology. How much have we seen expansion and growth in this particular area? And yet clearance rates remain really, really low. So clearly something's not working, right? And we have to figure out, we've got this fantastic technology, some of it we're gonna hear about today from our panelists, um, but we have to be sure that it's gonna make a difference in the field. It's gonna make a difference in communities. That's what it's really all about. And I think we can get there by agencies partnering with technology providers to come up with the solutions to get it right. Great. I think it's time to dive into this conversation. It should be a great one. Thank you again for your part in, uh, in leading us through it. Let's go ahead and meet the panelists. Thanks, Charles. Let's do it. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Charles. It's uh, great to be with all of you today and great to be with this very esteemed uh, group of uh, professionals and colleagues from around the country who are going to join us to talk about some of the technology uh, issues that we've just talked about with Charles and uh, some of the things that I know are front and center of all of your minds uh, in terms of how, how do we leverage uh, technology and some of the best benefits of technologies for policing. Um, today, joining me, as I, I've mentioned on this panel, is Assistant Chief Armando Aguilar from the City of Miami Police Department. Chief, welcome. Uh, Director Skyler Hearn, who uh, formerly was with uh, Texas Department of Public Safety, as you all know from reading the bios that were uh, preceded this event today. He is currently the Director of Government Affairs uh, for Clearview AI, uh, also the sponsor for today's event. Uh, Detective Sergeant John Kadner with the Cascade County, Montana Sheriff's Office uh, is joining us today and uh, will share some interesting experiences as well. And then uh, someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for, for some time, Vice President Ganesha Martin with uh, uh, Mark 43. She is Vice President of Community Affairs and Public Policy for uh, Mark 43. So as I was um, Reflecting on just a moment ago with uh, with Charles in public safety, you know, we have both the ability to leverage the power of these incredible technologies, some of which you'll hear about uh, here today and many others that that exist or are emerging. Uh, but we also have the responsibility at the same time, we have the responsibility to reassure and to demonstrate to our communities that we'll use these powerful tools in ways that are accountable and appropriate. Uh, building digital trust is how we define that, um, and that must be a top priority as we go about implementing particularly emerging technologies that may not be well understood or well known, uh, or may have uh, capabilities that the public is not accustomed to hearing about, or it may be not even comfortable with. But to do this, I think we also have to implement these new tools in ways that will lead to improved outcomes, right? That's the reason for us doing it. 
uh, but also in ways, as I've mentioned, that will ensure accountability. So we have to be concerned not only with how the community perceives the use of the tools, but also how well they are adopted uh, within the agency and then used within the agency. Um, this has to be a part of our strategy going forward. Um, and uh, one of the things we have to do as we go about addressing our specific challenges and uh, priorities. Now, as I mentioned to Charles a minute, moment ago, research tells us that um, the effectiveness of the tools and the way in which we implement them can be dependent on the quality of the agency's adoption and implementation strategy. This goes all the way from the procurement, the initial use and adoption of the technology, all the way through its evaluation within the agency. And we'll touch on some of that here today. But what I really want you to do is to hear from several innovators uh, around the country and implementers around the country um, about the power of some of these tools, how it's changing the way policing is done in some ways, but also about the responsibility that they've taken on and the steps that they've taken to be accountable in their use of these technologies. So we're gonna jump right in. Um, we're going to start with Detective Kadner, um, who, again, uh, comes to us from the great state of Montana. And uh, he's going to talk to us about uh, some technology that he has uh, used in the area of investigations. So it was earlier today talking to some folks about um, violent crime increases. And one of the things that I pointed out is we shouldn't just be talking about increases in violent crime incidents or rates. But we should also be talking about other things that concern us, such as clearance rates. You know, we struggle to clear cases um, through arrest or other means. Um, so technology can play a pivotal role there. Thanks for listening to part one of this series about the utilization of technology in law enforcement. Part two of this series continues on July 19th as experts weigh in on how important technology is to law enforcement in the communities they serve. We owe a very special thanks to our sponsor for part one of this series, Off-Duty Management. Be sure to check them out online at offdutymanagement.com. We thank you for your support, and remember, our upcoming episode releases are every Wednesday, and published exclusively on Tuesdays is our monthly Icons episode. We hope you learned something from this episode, and will join us next time for another edition of Encore, where we revisit past museum programs and conversations. A special thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of Encore, a series from the Precinct 444 Podcast Network by the National Law Enforcement Museum. Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to precinct444 at nleomf.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the precinct. Thank you.